Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. I'm super excited about this um, episode. I'm recording this before before I go. Full disclosure, recording the intro before um, I leave for my trip. But um, I wanted to record this intro because my guest today is someone that I just love and adore. And I think that what she does is so super cool and something that we don't talk about often enough, um, which is so it, her name is... Um, is Georgia, Georgia Wall, and she is the ceremonialist, um, which I just, she creates ceremonies um, for people, which, good God, right? How cool is that? How much do we need that in our lives? Um, especially when it comes to divorce, right? To create a, you know, we, we do so many ceremonies for so many things. We have wedding ceremonies, right? We have baby showers. We have all of these things. And the reason that Georgia and I were drawn to each other and each other's work is that we talk about a lot together about intentionality and intention setting and how going through um, the divorce process um, intentionally both, you know, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, all of that, creating a ceremony for your divorce, whether it's with your partner, or it's just on your own, is helps create this intentionality for how you want this to go. And I just think that it's, I thought it was such a cool concept and idea. Um, that obviously I wanted to bring it <laughs> to you guys. So um, Georgia Wall is an artist, educator, and ceremonialist. She's based in New York City, and she offers personalized ceremonies to individuals, groups, and communities. So rather than adhering to a specific practice or lineage, Georgia seeks to uncover the specific inner ceremony that an individual or group carries within them. The ceremony that is necessary and arising for the given moment born from lived experience. I mean, how cool is that? Georgia really considers um, her practice of ceremony a process of co-creation with the people she works with. So, for example, we talk about in this episode, the fact that I was going to hire her to do a, to create a ceremony for me. And I did, I went through the process. It's this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ceremony that she created for me for something that I'm going through completely, um, um, unrelated to divorce and relationships. Um, and the way that she presented it's this beautiful PDF with these sort of like tokens that she clearly chose, you know, just for me. And this creation of this ceremony with prayers and vows and um, objects for me to gather. And full disclosure, 
I haven't done this yet because um, we really wanted it to do it outside and the fires hit and I just literally, we haven't been able to be outside. The fi- well, before the fires hit, it was 120 degrees. You all remember that? And then the fires hit. So um, I just haven't been able to be outside, but I've done some of the practices in here and I just, it, it, the experience of her creating this for me, specifically for me, was just so fucking gorgeous. And I felt so heard and seen and held as this whole process from, you know, start to finish of this process. And then in the episode, we talk about ways that, you know, even if you can't do have a specific ceremony created for you by Georgia, there are things that you can do for yourself to create a ceremony for yourself um, in sort of cutting the cords through your divorce process. So this is sort of one of the more spiritual uh, practices that you can do for yourself that I think is really important. You may sort of know that I, I, I tend to be really intellectual about things and, you know, I'm all about the neuroscience and the logistics and blah, blah, blah. But I have this undercurrent of the woo with me that, you know, I do a full moon ceremony every month. I do a new moon ceremony. I go to these places and I will say that it's a beautiful balance in my life. Um, to have both and to hold both and to experience both. So I really invite you um, to listen to this episode with your heart open and to be able to receive the possibilities um, that are on in this other realm of work that I probably don't talk about often enough <laughs> in the podcast, but here you go. Without further ado, here is my friend, the ceremonialist, Georgia Wall. Georgia, thank you so much for coming to talk to my people about ceremonies. Thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. It's sort of like becoming one of my favorite conversations. Like we've had this conversation before a couple of times and I just find it, I find it so fascinating and important in the work that I do. Obviously, just for full disclosure, Georgia and I ended up on a a call together with my business coach and or our, I guess our business coach and and we were both like in the chat like hey wait <laughs> exactly you described what you did and I was like I've never heard that and I want to know more about this woman and what she's doing yeah and when you said you create ceremonies I was like oh my god yes my people need this my people need this so and I think that well, let's just tell tell people what you do, sort of how you came to do this, which is a story I love, and and what you do for people. Yeah. So I, I create ceremonies with and for people, and that can look like creating a ceremony for a big life event or a life transition. And those transitions could be a bit more subtle or internal than for example, what we usually think of as being an event that requires a ceremony to acknowledge it. So it's a wide range and I work with individuals, couples, groups, and the practice of making ceremonies has come out of my my art practice. I'm an artist and also an educator and a facilitator of space. So it's kind of a practice that is at the intersection of all of those 
And I, I love the way that you describe that, right? That it's not just like big ceremonies, like a wedding or a divorce, right? Which it can be. And we will definitely talk about that, right? But it's also a ceremony for an internal shift, which I think a lot of my listeners, especially the ones who are in the should I stay or should I go space, could really benefit from that kind of thing, right? Because we're all looking for that internal shift, right? We're all looking for that. If I could only be the kind of person who Mm. fill in the blank, right? Like, right. I know I have that conversation in my, I hope I'm not the only one to have that conversation in my head all the time. If only I was the kind of person who didn't struggle with X, Y, or Z or, and it's a, and it's a, it's sort of an empowering question that I ask my clients all the time. Like if you were um, the kind of person who didn't struggle with self-esteem, if you were like the most empowered version of yourself, what decision would you make at this point? What would mm-hmm. you what changes would you make in your life? It could be as general as that, right? And so the idea that there's a ceremony that sort of can bridge that gap, right? Between yeah. the per- the kind of person who struggles with these sorts of things to, oh, wow, right? That transition. Yeah. yeah. And I think what's what's really beautiful about ceremony making is it it's acknowledging what is and it's meaning making with that. Mm-hmm. what, where you are, meeting you where you are and kind of working with what is and making meaning. And I think especially around painful parts of life or surprises, there can f- sometimes feel like, oh, this isn't how it should be. I didn't think it was going to turn out like this. This isn't the story I thought I was going to live in. And with ceremony, I think there can be a practice of really deep reflection and looking at what is and figuring out um, this maybe wasn't the script that I thought I was reading, but this kind of off script moment can totally be part of my expanded narrative and part of my story. And I think reclaiming that can be a really beautiful way of doing exactly what you're saying, which is kind of bridging where you are and what, where you want to be. And also almost the inverse as well, figuring out the where you want to be that is already in the moment, even if it's surrounded by pain or confusion, at least the murmurings of who you want to be are already in that present moment. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't feel the pain or confusion. Exactly. There wouldn't be any discord. And you you wouldn't have the longing for it. You have the longing because it's in you and you want it to grow. Exactly. And I, lo- I love that as an, uh, as an idea for everybody to hold on to is that if there's something that you're yearning for, it's because there's already a seed of it planted in you. So honor that and hold on to that for yourself, that it's not something that's so far outside of yourself that you'll never achieve it because you wouldn't have the longing for it if you didn't have the seed already planted within. Yeah, completely, completely. And in the acknowledgement, there is a it is so much honoring. Just in framing it and being intentional, there is an honoring. I think the work you do, which is so much about intention and about holding divorce in awareness mm-hmm. and in intention, that there is an honoring. There's an honoring of the process, of the pain, and of the possibility. Yes. So let's talk about intention setting, right? Because that's really what is sort of at the core of this ceremony is intention, right? Mm -hmm. And there's something that's really synchronous for for both of us that we've acknowledged in our work about intention setting and and, uh, being intentional about what we're stepping into and about what we're stepping away from. Yes. 
right? right. <laughs> we definitely talked about that too. And I think that's really key. And I think it's the thing that we don't culturally really invest our time in is the endings of things. You know, marriage gets a lot of attention yeah. and community support. And then divorce, and there's a community that shows up for everything, but it's it has a very different tenor. And of course it would, but I think endings really deserve the same amount of of honoring, of acknowledgement, of intention. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you do that? What do you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're all like, yeah. Hey. Uh, will you tell the story of first of all, how you started this uh, when you were, you, you actually sort of recognized this as something that you started when you were a small child. Yes. Oh yeah. My quote unquote origin story. As Your origin it. story. It's my, it's the yeah. first kind of ceremony I can trace back to. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up with any religion, any spiritual practices, and I was creating ceremonies. I think it came out of imaginary play and kind of transitioned later into art making. But in that, there was a lot of ceremony. And I had, I think I was about seven or eight, six to eight, somewhere in there. I had a little family of dolls that I was very connected to that I would bring with me wherever I went. They all had little little rooms in the bottom shelf of this bookcase in my bedroom. And I was super attached to these inanimate objects. And mm -hmm. at some point I started kind of outgrowing them and I could feel it internally. There was kind of a pulling back. I really wasn't spending that much time with them. I would come home from school and not, they wouldn't be the first place I would go. And I felt a lot of sorrow knowing that there was this inevitable separation that was happening, you know, maybe more symbolically, it was representing my childhood or some kind of relationship to play or imagination. But I really just saw it at the time as like, these are my family, these are my little dolls, and I'm, it's kind of ending, like our relationship is coming to its natural end. And instead of just allowing them to collect dust, I had a full burial goodbye separation ceremony. Each doll had their own kind of coffin where all of their objects went in and I laid it all out. After that, I had this kind of like transitional object with them where I would speak to them. You know, they all, they went into their burial boxes, went into the top of my closet. And then I spoke with them when I needed to through this little stone, this little gem, gemstone. Oh. And it was a ceremony. It was a ceremony of separation, of kind of ending and it was sad, but I knew at the time not as sad as it would have been to just have all of this love and kind of energy that had been created just kind of slowly dissipate. Disappear. Or, or disappear, yeah. right? Or, right? Like that's, right. yeah. And I think every, I think everyone who's ever seen Toy Story, <laughs> like, knows about, like, like, relates to that moment of just like, oh, the heartbreak of that. I know that I've gone through that similar thing with my son and all of his like 856,742 stuffed animals <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. moved from, like the bed. Now they're in the closet. Right. And we sort of like, it, it, it's like a phases, a, a phasing out. Exactly. But I love that you, I love that you took that time. I start to, I think about like all the things in my past or my childhood that I wish I had created ceremony for, right? Like, oh man, it would have been so much better if I had honored that, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I did transition the burial boxes to my high school boyfriend and then my college. Like I did the same exact thing. I had. I was like, this worked for the dolls. So I have a box that's just dedicated to my high school ex and two more. I had three total relationships that ended up in, in boxes. Four actually, four. That ended up in boxes. Yeah, so you took all of your, you took all of the memorabilia, yeah. the pictures, the right, and put them into a box and did yeah. a ceremony to yeah, exactly. And I think that, and how did that feel for you? Like when you did that, did that really feel like a closure and a letting go or was that? Yeah, I think it's, I, I, I always say I'm not really in the business of healing or resolving because I don't think a ceremony takes away any of the feelings that you might be in. And in fact, it's more of a allowing the feelings. I think with at least in a couple of those relationships, I was not ready to let go. I mean, the ceremony happened because it was time. And I think it allowed me to feel a lot of the pain and move through it in a tangible way. But it certainly didn't take away the sadness, but it made space for it. I think that that's mm-hmm. part of also what I'm interested in, in when I work with people is how the ceremony can be expansive enough to welcome whatever feelings are present and the conflicting feelings too, yeah. that are part of the human experience. Absolutely. Often. Yes. And thank you for bringing that up and saying that. I often say that like I have, when I have clients or people in my Facebook group who are like, how do I not, how do I deal with the grief or how do I deal with pain or the sadness? And I often say, I think what you're asking is how do I stop feeling this? Because I, I do think that's right. Because, and, and I, you know, I have to say, like, unfortunately, you don't. You don't get to not feel this part. And if you do not feel this part, it's going to come back and bite you on the ass 10 years down the line, five years Absolutely. down the line. It doesn't matter, right? You can shove everything under the rug all you want. And then all of your furniture is going to be on a really fucking lumpy rug. <laughs> and you probably don't want that. Yeah. And I think that what, what, is true. And I think what's so interesting about the work you do is that we so we're often least intentional about the things that cause us pain yes. because we don't want to feel want it. To. Yeah. Who wants to? want to? I would rather eat a pint of Haagen-Dazs, you know, have sex with yeah. random people than not that that's what I'm doing. You guys, by the way, um, <laughs> I don't do that anyway, but, but I used to, right. right? Like I would way rather do that than actually sit down and like yeah. ceremony about these feelings. Ew. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. Um, and it can be, but I do think if it's done with enough care, even just holding the sorrow and the pain in with some beauty and with some care for a short period of time, it can just change the relationship to whatever's showing up for that short period of time. And that is sometimes just a nice and needed like deep inhale that maybe lasts as long as that. And it's just so much more healing. Like it's just, it is, and you're not in the healing business, but I do think that I do think that the only way to get to the other side is through. And that if you want to heal the pain or, you know, how do you, how do I, how do I stop feeling all these feelings? It's well to sit with them. Right. I'm not in the healing business, but humans are self healers. Like I don't, I'm not the healing, I'm not the healer, but I think sitting with things, I think there is a healing and acknowledging there is a healing and allowing 
making space for the thing. And I am in the business of supporting that, I guess I could Uh say. Yes. Good. Excellent. Yeah. So how do you, how do you create a ceremony? I almost like feel like there's like two ceremonies that I'm thinking about in my head, right? One is a ceremony for the transition, right? The should I stay or should I go for finding clarity for, I don't know, pulling apart the pieces, right? And then there's the ceremony for like, I'm getting divorced and sort of like the divorce ceremony, right? Right. And I don't know if those are two different ceremonies. Yeah, I think they are two different ceremonies. And I've worked with people who are in both of those kinds of stages. One is like a, I need a ceremony to ground and reflect. I need some structure for that. And then the second one is like, oh, there's a thing that's happening. It's an event. It's happening. And I want to bring ceremony into it. I want to hold it in some way with ceremony. So I think they would look really different. Mm -hmm. But every ceremony I create starts with a conversation with the person or the people I'm working with. And I consider that part of the ceremony. It's usually about an hour. It's very open-ended. It's a lot of, I ask a lot of questions and it's kind of a way of, of noticing what arises, like what, you know, what's really sometimes underneath the thing or sometimes, you know, wants to come through. And it's surprising sometimes. It's not what you, you're having a, we're talking about your abortion, but really the ceremony is about your relationship to your mother. Like, you know, it's, it's it's sometimes surprising. Right. So the conversation is the first, it's, you know, I consider it a very sacred conversation and it's where I'm also gathering all of the information that then becomes the elements that I work with to compose the ceremony. And so each ceremony is completely unique to the person or the people that I'm working with, grounded in their language, in their relationship to objects, in their relationship to one another. And it looks really different. You know, I've done a number of end of relationship ceremonies and they all of course are as unique and different as the relationships right. are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then I take all of that information, I compose a ceremony and then there is the ceremony, which can include one person. It can be self-guided. I can be present. Sometimes people want to bring in other people. I, you know, I'm thinking about an end of a relationship or a divorce ceremony, you know, maybe it's just you, maybe it's you and your partner, maybe it's you and your support system, like the people who have held you through the process and not your partner, maybe it's your partner and your family. I mean, it's, yeah, it's whatever it is. And that's something that often is discovered in the conversation, actually, depending on what is kind of being asked. You know, I like to, I sometimes I think about that I'm finding the ceremony that's in the person that I'm working with. I love that. I love that it's not just like download this PDF to create a ceremony for yourself. Like, no, this is about creating a ceremony that's really born of who you are and what is wanting exactly. to forth for you and from within you. Right. Which is yeah. Beautiful. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh my God, we have to do a ceremony. So we're going to, after this recording, yeah. we are booking our time for our ceremony. <laughs> it's happening. Great. Y'all heard it here first. <laughs> it's the best way to work with people. I mean, I feel so honored. And like every time I work with someone, it's so amazing. I'm collaborating. I like get to collaborate with someone on building something. Yeah. And it's such an intimate process and it's such a gift. I really feel 
very lucky to be oh able God, to do it. It is. it is such a gift. I remember when I was, God, my first, my, not my first boyfriend, but my college boyfriend, like my first like long-term, like three and a half year relationship from college. And he was, he was really into ceremony. He was Mexican. He was raised in Arizona. He was really connected to the Hopi tribes. And like, so he was very like, he had sort of this indigenous spirit and ceremony to him. And we used to do these ceremonies in my bedroom where we would have the candles and we were burning things. And like, and I always felt like it was the most profound experience. I had no idea what was going on. I was like mm-hmm. a white chick from New York city. I have no idea what the fuck is happening, but yeah. they were really powerful. Yeah. I'm, I'm also a white chick from New York city. And I think, you know, I didn't grow up with religion spirituality, ancestral practices. And I think I really longed for some spiritual connection. And, you know, when I say spiritual, I'm thinking about a connection to something that's bigger than you, Mm -hmm. nature, humanity, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's really essential. I think it's especially for white people who don't have maybe connection to a lot of things, including land and your ancestors, I do see it as a gateway to further to deepen your relationship to your own humanity and in that deepen or um, expand your relationship to humanity at large. And I think ceremony is just one way that we do this. I mean, I think people have meditation practices, journaling practices, activism, writing, art making. I think all of those are feed our spiritual or promote spiritual wellness. But I do really think it's essential. Mm-hmm. So let's just address, you know, the possible elephant in the room that we're two white chicks from New York City talking about ceremony. <laughs> right, right. And they, I know you do address this in your work and, you know, address the possible thoughts of appropriation, cultural appropriation, all that stuff. So yeah. I know you. Yeah. And I, I, I thank you for that question. And I do you know, I don't work with a specific practice or lineage for that reason as well. I mean, first and foremost, really, because I like to make a thing for the person I'm making it with, and it is born from them and their practices. And sometimes there are traditional practices if the person I'm working with brings them into the conversation. But otherwise, I'm very wary of appropriation and how that is a huge part of ceremony work and spiritual work and new age, all, you know, all of that, all of that. And also burning man and yeah, (laughs) all all of it. Again, I think that there's something really important that has to be kind of parsed out, which is how we do ground spiritually or how I, I should speak from the eye, how I ground spiritually so that I can be a better ally or be more resilient in my ability to fight injustice when I see it, to live in my values and to feel the expansiveness again of, of my own emotional stuff so I can deal with it. So I can actually be of service to the world that I'm in. Amen, sister. A fucking man. Well, and I I wanted to ask you how you feel your process of divorce maybe deepened your relationship to your own humanity Oh. And in t- and in turn, I mean, now you've worked with all of these other women, but how, yeah, I guess how that, 
how that affected you, that process and being really being with the process? Oh my God. So profoundly. I mean, I think the first thing I'll say is that in order to be in my marriage, I had to be so divorced from myself. So I'm married to this man and I'm completely divorced from myself because I was in so much pain. And if I was really to face it and to honor it and to turn towards it, I wouldn't have been able to stay in the marriage, right? And so for many, many years, I was I was so turned away from myself mm. and so divorced from my own reality. And so that once I finally was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I finally, and it was really through my own individual therapy before I got divorced. I was drowning and I didn't understand why. I knew that I knew that there was so much wrong and I was so miserable and I was so depressed and all of these things. And I was so deeply, darkly depressed and I didn't understand why. And so I called the therapist and I got into my own therapy and then it start as soon as just even that process, right. Of just turning towards myself in that way, just opened up this huge well. And, and as soon as I turned towards myself, I could no longer stay in that marriage. And, and then once I made the decision to finally leave, which was probably a couple of years in the making, everything changed, right? Everything completely changed because I was now fully present with myself. And then all this other shit opened up, right? And then it was like, oh crap. And then every friendship I had shifted from that point, because if I was no longer ignoring myself and I was actually present with myself and my needs and my values and my desires and my, and me, just me, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of pieces in my life that no longer fit me. Yeah. And I had like a rebirth. It, I mean, it really was, it really was. And it was a process. I mean, it was like a couple of years of like extrication and, you know, labor, I guess. Right. right. <laughs> and that continued. I think I've talked about a few times on the podcast, how after my divorce, I started, my ex-husband was, and still is sober. And so, you know, I never drank in my, you know, there's no, there's no alcohol in my home. Like it was just not something I ever did. Yeah. I never really drank beforehand. Like I was just never a drinker. And then after I got divorced, I started drinking. <laughs> I started drinking more and more and more and more. And over the course of 10 years, I buried a lot of the, of the stuff that I had unearthed because it was really painful. There was a lot of trauma and I buried it in alcohol because that was easy and sex and looking for another relationship and all of those things. And then through the course of, again, more therapy, more this, more that, more work, you know, I eventually got sober and I stopped drinking. And then it was like, here it is. <laughs> Here's everything you <laughs> Kaboom. Yeah. Well, it rang from a couple of years ago, like a yeah. decade. Here we go. Yeah. Like, so, so it's been, it's, it's like, mm, it's waves of process for me. It feels like waves of process. Like I go through one wave and then it just, everything just sort of settles and then there's another wave. Right. And I think, I don't know. I think that's a lot of the human experience. Right. And right. And that, that things are cyclical and part of the myth of the healing is that you're ever healed or something gets complete, which it doesn't. And it, and it, And I don't think it 
is meant to, because every time it comes back around, yeah, it reveals another thing, which maybe allows you in your situation, at least to be even more awake and empathetic to a new person you're working with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My clients challenge me all the time. It's, they said this in coaching school and I found it to be a hundred percent true is that your clients bring shit to you that you need to hear over and over and over again. And they talk about therapists talk about that. This is like this whole thing was that like, they just show up with stuff that you're like, shit. (laughs) Or you're hearing yourself giving advice that you're like, this is, this is need this. This is for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's also part of the magical thing though. Yeah, it is. Of working with people. Exactly. Yes. Right. Imagine if we were just like in our bubbles and not like that. We would never be presented with the next layer of stuff that we got to work on. Totally. Totally. And I, and I do say that to my clients a lot. Like I talk about this process of like, you know, your friendships are going to change your, everything in your life will probably change as a result of, because you're changing, you are completely shifting who you are. And so you will not be the same person in any other relationship. Right. Right. And how to, and how to kind of ride that wave or waves, ride that storm. Right. Transition, weather formation. I don't know if it's a (laughs) storm's a harsh word, but it can be right. But it is. I mean, I think it, and I think it's really interesting because I, I do think that if you were to have a cere- you know, having a ceremony around it makes it, as, as we said, more intentional, right? I think if I had seen more clearly, and maybe we can't because we're in it, right? But that I was giving up being the person who mm-hmm. to become the person who, right? Something yeah. different. Right? I, was give- I was giving up being the person who accepted emotional abuse, who was okay to divorce herself from herself and shut herself off from her own needs and feelings and all the right. That's the person I I was choosing to be every day. And as I gave up that way of being, I also gave up all the other relationships that I had chosen from that same place. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't just married to an abusive narcissist. My best friend was an abusive narcissist, right? Like right. there were all sorts of other relationships in my life that mirrored that experience. And so when I gave up being the person who accepted and was okay with all of these things, I did that in all areas of my life, everything, right. you know, right. I no longer had abusive bosses. I no longer had abusive friends, right? Gosh. What an amazing transition to go through. Right. Right. And when we name it with intentionality, like you're talking about, yeah, I think it's easier to see all the yeah. places where this manifests. Right. And even just that, that small, like I'm giving up the person who X, Y, Z to mm-hmm. become the person who mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. I know last time we talked, we had talked about some of the, you know, not a full ceremony, but small rituals you can incorporate in your day practices. And I think that one alone is like a beautiful writing prompt you can do every day. Two sentences. I'm giving up the person who X, Y, Z, and I'm becoming the person who X, Y, Z. And if you do that every day, what shows up and how that can be kind of what you're orienting yourself to as you move through the storm. Yeah. Keeping, keeping to go back to that. Yeah. 
I love the I love the idea of the daily practices, the just little rituals like daily, yeah. daily rituals, right? Not a full blown ceremony, but daily rituals. Yeah. What are some other ones that you recommend? I would say if you're a person who relates to objects, I'm an altar builder. I love to make object altars. So um, having a place in your home where, you know, maybe one side of the altar is what you're letting go of parts of yourself or parts of your life that you're ready to leave behind. And then on the other side, so on the right, for example, would be what you're stepping into. So objects, you could even write words and have them up there, but objects, pictures, images to orient yourself to where, where you're going. I think you talked at the beginning about like this bridge, but I'm seeing this altar as like a physical bridge, you know, yeah. between where you're going, where you're leaving and where you're going. And once you have that space, it can be a space that you go to, to meditate or journal or sit, or maybe it's just a place that you take care of. You make sure it's clean. You dust it. You put flowers there. You just hold space in your home, physical space to acknowledge where you are and where you're going. Yes. If you like to write, I often in my work with people create prayers that are, that are come out of the language that they share, but prayers that can be said or incorporated into daily life, weekly life. And it can be as simple as a couple lines. I, I wrote down a couple before we spoke. I release, I know, I trust, mm. I choose. I release something that you're ready to let go of. I know something that is deep within you that you know. Mm. I trust, that can be something internal, external. I trust and I choose. Mm. And then once you have that statement, it can be, Again, you know, it could sit on your bedside or it can be in your car or in your refrigerator. And it's something you can say to yourself and change as you change in the process or write it every day and it might change. And maybe. Right. I love that as a writing prompt. I also love that as a, like a full moon ceremony. Yes. Yeah. And I think thinking about, again, how these practices can serve you. If it's like a, oh, I have to do this every day because it's quote unquote a daily practice and I'm going to beat myself up if I don't do it, then <laughs> it's not worth it. You know, and if, if your cycle is the moon and you do it once a month, right? That's, and that fills you and supports you and serves you, then that's all you need. Right. Or even if just hearing the words, I release, I know, I trust, I choose, as we say them on this podcast, if they just remain in your mind and you never put pen to paper and something about, having those phrases with you serves you, then that's also enough. Yes. I love that. I love it. I love that there's no rules. This is not like, right. right? Sometimes we do think of that, like as a daily practice means that I have to do it every single day. And if I miss a day, then I failed. Right. <laughs> I, a bad broke, person. I broke the magic or whatever. Right. Yeah. And you know, your rhythm, you know what you need. Mm-hmm. And if it's serving you, you'll do it. Another one is, a practice I have another writing one, which is just, I write these three line poems every day. The first line is something I'm grateful for. Second line is a wish that I have for myself Mm -hmm. or someone else or a group of people, a place. And the third is an intention. I have something I want to do in the next 24 hours. So that can be, especially with that little three line poem, it can be as concrete or as esoteric as you want. I mean, it could be like, I want to fold my, my intention is to fold my 
laundry, or it can be <laughs> to figure out if I'm, you know, what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> so kind of take it as you take it as you want. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love all these. So these are like little mini things, but they sort of get you in the habit and in the space and the mindset of intention and shift, right? Yeah. Like and, yeah. ref- and reflection and archiving. I mean, I, I think watching yourself through process. I started the three line poems in mid-March when we went into shelter in place. And those three line poems have become a little really short diary entry where I see like, oh, you know, I was wishing for the same or sending a prayer to or wishing for the same person for these two weeks while he was sick, you know, and I can see Mm. kind of where I'm at over a period of time. And I imagine if you're in a process of separation or divorce, like what, what can you have alongside that process that acts as a, an archive or helps kind of document what that looks like, the kind of more emotional, subtle landscape that you're traversing? Totally, totally. If I were to look back on that kind of thing from back then, I, I have actually found diaries and reading those pages, it can be really like, oh my God, heart-wrenching, but also like, wow, wow, that's where I was. That's amazing. Right. Wow, I've come so far. Yeah. Yeah. And how to honor it when you're in it. Mm-hmm. That's the hard part. I think it, in we can often look back, especially in the painful times and see the meaning in them or see the, see the wisdom that was being cultivated, but it's hard when you're in them, in, in those hard times to feel like there's any logic. Yeah, totally. Totally. So Georgia, where can people find you and how can they get in touch with you to create an amazing ceremony for themselves? Yeah. What do they need to do? They can go to my website, theceremonialist.earth, mm-hmm. and my information is there. You can email me, reach out to me that way. I'm somewhat new to Instagram there. I'm also theceremonialist.earth. So those are the two, yeah, those are the two ways. And everything's in the show notes, so that'll be fine. Great. <laughs> Great. Yeah, and then we got to get you, we got to get a ceremony going for you. We're going to do that. We're so going to do that. Is there anything, any other sort of parting words or anything else you want people to know about the importance of ceremony or? I don't think so. I feel like it's, it's really a pleasure to be here. And I love talking to a woman who's doing such seemingly different work. And also I think in its essence, there's so much overlap. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing. Thank you, my love. Back at you. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to have you in this circle. It's really, yeah. really important and special. Happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.